Welcome, you're listening to the Silver Emulsion Podcast, brought to you by SilverEmulsion.com. They didn't name him the Bronze Surfer, they didn't name him the Golden Surfer, they named him the Silver Surfer. SilverEmulsion.com Welcome to the Silver Emulsion Podcast. My name is Will Kauf, and I will be your host for this evening. And um, it is, uh, I'm recording this uh, December 24th, Christmas Eve. I'm uh, very excited. <laughs> I'm going to wake up like a school child <laughs> and rip open a bunch of uh, imaginary presents that I don't have. <laughs> no, I don't, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to sleep and wake up. Like, it's just another day. Um, but it's not another day. It's Christmas. Yay! <laughs> Christmas time is here again. You know, fucking jingle bell. <laughs> uh, so, uh, this is going to come out on December 26th. <laughs> 6th. Uh, <laughs> it's um, it's coming out December 26th. It just sounds weird. I don't know. Anyway, that's when it's coming out. And uh, what's that? It's Boxing Day, isn't it? Get excited. That's the real holiday. Am I right? <laughs> uh, so anyway, I hope you had a, a, a good Christmas time. Um, it's still the season. And hopefully you're still enjoying uh, hot cocoa. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, other uh, seasonal treats. Uh, I'm not an og- a- uh, not an agna, not an eggnog person myself. But uh, if you do partake, I hope you have partooken. <laughs> I'm a fucking nutcase tonight. All right. So uh, today I'm going to be talking about a couple of Christmas horror movies. Uh, the first one is called Silent Night. Deadly Night, and the second one is called Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2. And uh, so I'll get into that. I've seen Silent Night, Deadly Night, uh, the first one. Uh, I saw it a few years ago and reviewed it uh, whenever the hell that was. And then um, I had never seen the second one. But I had heard many uh, questionable things about how it was like an one of the uh, ultimate B movies, you know, one of those kind of things like Troll 2 or, uh, oh shit, I can't think of another one. The Room. I haven't seen The Room, but people talk some uh, mad shit about that movie. Um, uh, oh, god damn it. Every fucking time I do this, every fucking time, 
Okay, fuck off. All right, all right. People talk a lot about the room, uh, but I haven't seen it. Uh, and to be honest, I don't really know that I care to see it. I, I mean, I'll probably see it eventually, but um, everybody going on and on about it just really <laughs> makes me not want to see it. Uh, but anyway, I'm going to be talking about uh, those two Silent Night, Deadly Night movies. And then I have, I think, two two other movies to talk about. Um, but honestly, I didn't take a lot of notes. And, and I wasn't really feeling doing a podcast until just a few minutes ago. So uh, I don't know how long this is going to go. Um, I, I took literally like two notes for Silent Night, Deadly Night, the first one. So... You know, who knows uh, how long I'm going to talk about that one. But anyway, uh, let's uh, get into uh, the feedback now. Uh, I have uh, a pair of comments from uh, Stephen. And so let's go to it. Uh, Stephen says, ouch, I hope your knee gets better, dude. I didn't really have much else to say, so I guess you'll just have to pretend that I said something deep and witty that was worth talking about. But I do think you need to continue your first take pronunciation of foreign names on the podcast. It's a tradition at this point, and much more entertaining than doing it right. Also, you should keep up the Italian pronunciation of these things, too. That shit was funny as hell. As a side note, since I brought it up, I should tell you that Japanese has few to no stressed syllables, which sounds odd to us Westerners, and all of the vowels in patema are pronounced as they are in father. The English dub, of course, will do things a tad different. So, uh, patema, 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 come on! Um are pronounced as they are in father fa pa so pa <laughs> there <laughs> i don't know that you're helping me man <laughs> jesus but <laughs> i don't know how the e is. how the fuck do you pronounce that e father er i guess er so pa but uh, I don't know how the fuck. I don't know. He didn't help me. Um, uh, so I'm just gonna say uh, pa patema, patema, patama. It's probably patama, patama, uh, patama. That sounds Japanese. Patama. <laughs> I don't know that it sounds Japanese actually. Patama. Come on. Um. <laughs> okay. So, uh, ouch. My knee. My knee was bad. Uh, now my knee is not bad. Um, I must have twisted it or done something to it uh, that kind of came on slowly, but it, it was real. It it, it had uh, fully blossomed um, by the last recording, but uh, after a few days, it slowly got better uh, over time. What I found worked uh, very well was heat. At first, I was icing it, and I, I literally iced it like a whole day, <laughs> and it, it, it kind of like got a little bit better. Um, and then, what? Oh, I, I, I 
took a shower and I put like really hot water on it and like almost instantly I was able to kind of bend it and I thought well shit I'm gonna bust out a heating pad and and I did and it uh, it got a lot better uh, a lot quicker so you heard it here first uh, silver motion podcast uh, medical tips <laughs> heat uh, will help your uh, twisted ankle or twisted uh, knee or uh, perhaps any joint. Uh, try it and uh, maybe it will help you. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I do, I do plan on, on continuing the first take uh, pronunciations of foreign names. Um, I, I enjoy the first take. I used to do it a lot on the when I was doing those videos of... Uh, the Japanese candy and stuff. <laughs> that was really fun. So I, I always enjoy that, and, and it's usually funny. So uh, those, will, those will continue. Um, Italian pronunciation, uh, you know, it'll it'll come out <laughs> when it comes out naturally. Um, I don't know that I'll, I'll specifically attempt it, but uh, it, it is a good idea <laughs> to continue that because it's always fun to do. Although, I, I don't know. If I could say anything in in the accent, but I, I will have to uh, keep it in mind. And then uh, Stephen came back with another comment, and he said, "What did he say? Where is it?" Uh, actually, I thought of something in regards to you mentioning pinball. I'm afraid I've never been a fan of pinball. That might be because my only exposure to the game as a kid was with the Atari which had the single most dull version of pinball I have ever seen. It wasn't until arcades were a thing of the past that I found out just how insane and over-the-top pinball machines could be. Maybe I would have liked them better if I hadn't grown up knowing only this. And then there is a Wikipedia link to arcade pinball, uh, which I'm assuming is the... Atari game. I haven't I haven't looked at that, so this is going to be a first take on Atari <laughs> arcade pinball. And then uh, he says, I think the screenshot on that page is literally 100% of the game. Needless to say, it got pretty boring pretty fast. So let's check it out. First take, Wikipedia. Here is a cover. It. Uh... <laughs> wow. <laughs> the <laughs> not really a great. Uh... Uh, drawing to represent pinball on the the cover. Arcade pinball pinball game released on the Atari 2600. It is an exclusive version of video pinball produced by Sears, programmed by the one and only Bob Smith. Um, I'm not a, a scholar of such things, but I imagine Bob Smith might be a, a famous guy, um, but maybe not. I don't know. Um, now, before I look at the screenshot, because I saw the top of it, so I'm not scrolling down to see the screenshot. Gameplay on Wikipedia, it says, first sentence, Arcade Pinball featured actual simulations of a pinball machine, ball shooter, flippers, bumpers, and spinners. The game also implemented a simulation of a real ball's actual physics. Now, 
Now that's some fucking high. <laughs> that's, I mean, I don't, I don't think any fucking Atari game could do any of that. Hey, Atari doesn't have physics and shit. <laughs> um, I mean, I guess with combat, you'd shoot the thing and it would bounce off the walls and stuff. Is that, I mean, Pong, there's some kind of physics to Pong. So maybe, hey, <laughs> who the fuck am I to say it doesn't have physics? All right, so let's uh, look at this screenshot. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> God. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> that is not a good uh, first first take on pinball for, for any person. Uh, man, you know, I could see... I could see how you don't like pinball because of this. Jesus Christ. Um, I also see how... Like, I don't I don't really get it. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I get it because this is probably bumpers on these ones, and then that might be another bumper. Well, it said the Atari logo was a rollover, so that's got to be a rollover. This one is probably a rollover. But where's... It said it had... Uh, what the fuck else did it say it had? The plunger. It's got the plunger over there. Flippers. Bump. Where's the spinners, y'all? Come on. Down, fool. Where's the spinners, fool? Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't see any spinners, so I don't know. Maybe this thing in the middle... Because it doesn't make sense that there would be a thing right there to knock it back through the fucking drain. Um, anyway, that is a very, very bad first impression of pinball. And I I, I hope uh, that one day you can really get into it. Uh, it's, it's a very unique sort of thing. Um, pinball is uh, very insane and over the top. Uh, if you are, are within the right group of years, like the, the early stuff, uh, is pretty basic, but also pretty complex. Like all, almost every pinball table, um, even the early stuff has a pretty complex rule set and scoring system where like you, you, like it'll have, uh, oh fuck. <laughs> what do they call those fucking things? The little things that you knock down. God damn it. <laughs> like, I fucking play pinball like every fucking day, and I think about it, and then when I have to say it, it, it fucking lose it. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Come on, man. Um, where the fuck is it? Okay, here's a picture. There's high speed. I am familiar with high speed, but, but, uh, where's the fucking things? What do they call those fucking things? The things you shoot and then they go down. God damn it. And they don't even have them? Okay, let me go through this thing here. What the fuck? Plunger, it's not a plunger. It's not a flipper. It's not a bumper. It's not a kicker. It's not a slingshot. It's not... Well, there we go. Drop targets. Motherfucker. Drop targets. Okay. I don't know why I couldn't think of that. Anyway. Um, 
so like if you like on the really early ones you clear a bank of drop targets and it'll raise a bonus and then eventually you'll get up to like a special and then you got to hit this thing or roll over this other thing to score it and it becomes very complex um especially because like pinball is essentially a game of of skill luck and knowledge of the game and 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 uh the scoring system and because it's old school game just like uh any old game like pac-man or whatever it's score based so the you know the driving factor is just to get a better score and um, as pinball went on all of that stuff just got more and more and more and more and more and complex and like by the time like early 80s on the stuff really gets crazy and then when you get into like the 90s, like early 90s, holy shit, some of those some of those fucking tables are just crazy. There is just so much like they some of them tell like a whole fucking story. Like there's a there's a Mary Shelley's Frankenstein table from from the movie with De Niro. Uh and and that one like has a fucking De Niro head that talks to you and all this shit and you literally can like go through the entire story of Frankenstein to raise him from the dead and then uh run from the fucking townspeople and just every you know everything is represented and it's really cool and there's an ice cave in that so so to to go back to that other thing where I thought he was in the ice in that movie uh, there is an ice cave on that on that pinball table so i'm pretty sure he does go on the ice in that movie uh what else is there there's a fucking table called monster bash and <laughs> it's it's like the coolest fucking table it's uh the the classic universal monsters so creature from the black lagoon bride of frankenstein frankenstein wolfman and dracula and the mummy and i think that's it um and like imagine those guys they're all together but they're in a rock and roll band <laughs> and so you basically have to fucking put the band together and then uh and to put the band together takes a long time you have to hit a bunch of shots in succession and all this stuff but anyway once you get the band together if you can get to that point then the fucking the band like plays a show <laughs> and and the little uh i don't know the like the little display screen shows like them fucking rocking out and and dracula's doing windmills like pete townsend and shit <laughs> it's so fun it's fucking awesome i love it i love fucking pinball but uh there's a there's a a game on on steam uh, called pinball arcade that that uh, digitizes actual pinball tables so that that's where i know most of these tables from i've played some in in the wild but but there's not a whole lot of them out there anymore uh in the places where i frequent uh which is not really anywhere <laughs> these days but they they have um they're still making new tables now there's a company called stern that's been making pinball tables since fucking forever. Uh, 
like I don't know when they started, but it was a long fucking time ago. Like they were one of the big ones with like Williams and Bally and Gottlieb and um Sega was a big table maker for a while there. Um but Stern is is basically the only one that still makes tables as far as I know. And uh, so the the movie theaters out here have a, have an Avengers table, and it's based on the the whatever the first Avengers movie. So it's fun. It has like a fucking Hulk that you shoot the ball to, and he like smashes it and shit. <laughs> it's fun, um, but it's kind of a shitty table because there's this little uh, there's this little like a a spinning thing. Like I think it's the the cosmic cube. If I remember right, it's been a while since I played it, but there's a, I think it's the Cosmic Cube, and it's on this little, like a Lazy Susan kind of thing, and you hit it, and it spins a bunch, but the, that shit breaks, and on the, the one, one of the movies, I don't remember which one, not that it matters, but, uh, it was broken, and so the ball, instead of hitting it and spinning it, the ball would just go in there and get stuck, and so when I played it, I was so determined to get my fucking 50 cents worth. So I kept like tilting the shit out of the table to knock it out of there. And then I would just try to avoid hitting it up there. But every once in a while, I would get it in there. Like physics would, you know, science it into there. <laughs> uh, but anyway, pinball is fucking amazing. I love it so much. There's a place here in Eugene, there's actually two arcades in Eugene that have a bunch of pinball tables, but there's one specifically uh, that focuses on uh, vintage uh, pinball machines. And I'm dying to go there, but I, I'm, I'm, uh, well, I guess I'm not dying because <laughs> I've lived here almost five years and I still haven't gone and I've known about it the whole fucking time. Um, <laughs> but one of these days, I'm going to get out and I'm going to uh, get over there and play some fucking pinball. Um, the reason why I don't go over there, I mean, other than I'm just busy, but, uh, I don't think it opens until later, because it's, it's, uh, one of these arcade slash bar things, uh, which is also kind of <laughs> detracting to me, because, I don't know, but I think it opens later, so I'm not, usually I'm, <laughs> I'm in bed, you know, I, not in bed, but, you know, I, I fucking close up shop and I ain't going out at night um anyway I'll fucking get out there one of these days and they have a whole bunch I, I follow them on Instagram and they they have some killer fucking tables and they have tournaments and shit uh, pinball arcade that the game has tournaments also on on steam and uh those are really fun they really uh kick your fucking score into high gear by with the competition of actual people you know, it's super fun. I fucking love pinball. I could talk about it forever. Uh, but but uh, this is not the fucking pinball cast, although pinballs are silver. So I think it falls under the uh, silver emulsion uh, umbrella. <laughs> um, but, uh, okay, so let me talk about uh, this fucking Silent Night, Deadly Night. So the first movie is kind of a cult favorite i would say uh it's a movie that was very controversial at the time it was released because it's uh, about a santa that's killing people 
and I'm pretty sure it's not the first because I don't know. I can't think of 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 what was before, but I'm I know there was Killer Santa movies before it. In, in fact, the other movie that I'm gonna watch tomorrow, I think, is even before that. Yeah, that's 1980. So, fucking yeah. <laughs> there was at least one, and I know there was more than that too. Um, but anyway, it was it's uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night is pretty graphic. And so it was edited on release, and then I don't remember what the controversy was about, but, um, well, here, let's see what the DVD on the back says. Does it say anything? Protesters tried to stop it. Community leaders tried to suppress it. The PTA fought to ban it. Critics tried to bury it. Now, one of the most controversial slasher films of all time is back. <laughs> I don't know that, like, everybody was out in force to stop this fucking movie. But apparently, somebody was out in force enough to get this movie uh, edited. And so now, uh, it has been restored to its original unrated version. And uh, this is great for horror fans because there's a lot of good gore bits that were cut out um but anyway uh i think the general consensus on this movie is that it's a good horror movie but it's not a good movie my fucking consensus is that it's a great fucking horror movie and it's a fucking great movie i love this fucking movie i love it it's great i don't honestly see what people don't like about it to be honest the movie maybe they don't like that the first half is slow ish i guess because it's there's a lot of shit that happens in that first half but it's also um it's like total character building for the killer and so the killer starts the movie um we, we start the movie, whatever, in the past at some point, and the killer um, is seven years old. So it's, he's just this little kid, and he's excited for Christmas, and he's in the backseat of his car, and his parents are driving him to go visit his grandpa, uh, who's like in a fucking senior home, and he he's like paralyzed, he can't talk, he's just sitting in this fucking chair and everyone is like oh you know it's good to see you gramps or you know we're here uh you know uh see you later you know so they come to visit him for christmas and something happens where where the parents have to go into like the office with uh like the the guy who works there that's that's the attendant or something and so the little kid is with the grandpa and all of a sudden, the grandpa, who has one of the fucking greatest faces ever to appear in a horror movie. <laughs> anyway, I love this guy's face. And he fucking turns to the kid. And he hasn't moved. He hasn't said anything or nothing this whole time. And now he turns to the kid. And he's clearly just been faking it this whole time. And he fucking tells the kid that like if uh if he hasn't been good 
like literally 100% all year, then Santa's gonna come and punish him, <laughs> and like, like, like horrifically, <laughs> and so he scares the shit out of this little kid, and now, uh, the little kid fucking hates Santa, he doesn't want to see Santa, he's fucking scared shitless, and so on the way home, it's night, and a guy in a Santa suit stops them, and he happens to be a robber. And so this little kid is now seeing Santa rob his parents. And um, then <laughs> he watches as Santa fucking murders his parents. And so then we go forward a little bit from there. And now he's in a, like a orphanage. And being taken care of by uh, the nuns. And he goes through some shit there. And then eventually we get to where he's uh, like 17, 18. And he gets a job for Christmas uh, in a toy store. And so then all this stuff at the toy store happens. And that's like the first half of the movie basically. I mean I'm just glossing over a lot of shit because I want people to watch this movie. Anyway, that's the first half of the movie, and it totally builds up this main character ever since he was a little kid all the way to where he will live for the rest of the movie. And then, um, throughout that whole segment, it's, it, well, half of the movie, whatever, multiple segments, uh, it's, uh, introducing and weaving together all of these neuroses for the character and like how he like so the grandpa thing like how he came to fear santa and kind of have a negative uh take on christmas and stuff like that so anyway all this stuff builds and then eventually he fucking snaps and then that's the rest of the movie and it's super fun i love it uh, I love the subversiveness of taking Christmas and making it fucking a horror movie. Um, I have a big, big love of Christmas horror movies. Um, and so it's, it's a fucking great, great movie. That first half is so, like, it's so traumatic to the kid and to the, the young adult that, that he is. Uh, Billy, I think is his name, if I remember right. Um... It's so traumatic, and because there's no, there's not a lot of, like, actual horror shit happening, it's just the the trauma is the horror. It's so uh, humanizing to this character, and you feel for him, or I feel for him, and I just, like, I feel bad for the guy, you know? And then he turns into a killer, and, and it, like, I... I'm not rooting for him, but I feel fucking bad for him, like, the whole time. And and it's that little, like, hook, that emotion that makes me love this movie so much. Because it could have just been a fucking whatever horror movie slasher with no uh, underlying anything. And it would have been fun, and I would have probably enjoyed it, but but uh, the, the humanizing element of of the, the the writing that really takes the time to set this guy up 
um, that really sets this movie apart, and I love it. Love it, love it. <laughs> All right, so I think I'll move into uh, Silent Night, Dead the Night, Part 2 now. And uh, before I do, I have a sound to play, and this will be a great uh, lead-in to Silent Night, Dead the Night, Part 2. Uh, take it away, sound. 7 o'clock! It's over! Time to get shit-faced! <laughs> All right, so... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> so here we are at Silent Night, Deadly Night, Part 2, and uh, the first thing that I want to say about Silent Night, Deadly Night, Part 2 is that it is shitty. <laughs> like, it's really shitty. Why is it shitty? The first and major reason why it is shitty is that um, it sets itself up as a... a kind of a side sequel Um, one thing that I failed to mention when I was talking about the first movie is that in addition to Billy the seven-year-old kid um, there's also a little brother who's also there but he's younger he's um, not really of an age to remember uh, what is going on around him but he is an age to to kind of have that imprinted on him and especially with uh, his brother being so traumatized I'm sure that wasn't uh, good for him anyway the movie is um, his brother Ricky and he's in uh, I think he's in an uh, an insane asylum or something like that I think so I don't know anyway he's in this fucking room and uh, this guy comes in to interview him uh, to to tell him his story. And so the roughly the first 40 minutes of Silent Night, Daily Night Part 2 is Ricky <laughs> telling the story of his brother uh, and how their parents were killed and how they went to the orphanage and how then his brother got a job in a toy store and blah, 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 blah. So they basically, for 40 minutes of a... 80 something minute movie just replay edited footage from the first movie now i just watched the first movie and i love the first movie so i don't necessarily need to see that footage again it's not like a refresher uh but but uh it's just so fucking lazy like i'll watch it again but it's all edited and chopped up and and like a lot of the the beats are just completely ruined, and so it's not—it's not even pleasurable to watch those scenes again for me personally, uh, as a fan of the first movie. And I have heard that—I've heard people say like, "Oh, don't even watch the first movie; just watch part two because part two is like both movies in one movie." And I get that, but for me, like, <laughs> I'd rather watch the first movie and then watch the second half of Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2, and whenever next year or the year after, whenever I decide to watch these again, um, I'll definitely do that. I, I won't re-watch the first recap part uh, because it's fucking just pointless. Uh, for me personally, it's pointless. Uh, anyway, 
So that's uh, the beginning. That's, you know, that's the introduction to part two. And so it's really fucking sad and just, just kind of mind-numbing because it doesn't, there's nothing added. You know, they keep cutting back to Ricky telling this story and <laughs> fucking Ricky, who, whatever the guy is that plays him, is like the worst fucking actor ever in the history of actors. And it's funny. Like, it's funny bad. <laughs> but... It's also bad to the point that it's just kind of hard to watch. <laughs> like, maybe if I was with people and I was, like, fucking around and, like, laughing and, and joking around the whole time, it probably would be a lot easier to, to get through. But just sitting here fucking watching it by myself, man, it was rough. Uh, so So that's the first half. And then the second half... The second half goes fucking bonkers. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like you can't even describe <laughs> how fucking crazy and weird this second half of the movie is. Uh, first of all, it's not a Christmas movie, which is very strange to me. It only becomes a Christmas movie like in the last 10 minutes, maybe. Uh, at the last 10 minutes are set at Christmas. And it's new footage. And, and obviously all the, the old stuff from the first movie is all Christmas time. Uh, but the, the actual new story here is only a little bit of Christmas. So that was disappointing to me. Because it is, of course, a fucking horror movie set at Christmas, supposedly. Um, but anyway. <laughs> it goes on this, this thing about how... Because uh, I guess uh, Ricky had a girlfriend and she's been killed at some point. We've we've been let into that by by the the interviewer, and then Ricky's gonna tell us the story of how and he starts basically at the beginning of their relationship and then kind of goes through it. And <laughs> it's like I don't even know how to describe it, but. Uh, it's it's so crazy like the dude like in the first movie he has an axe and he just is like axing the shit out of people and fucking chopping heads off and he fucking grabs Linnea Quigley and and uh like spears her on this fucking deer antlers hanging above the mantle <laughs> oh man it's uh it's a wild movie the second one though There's like, like he gets this gun and he's just blowing people away, like random people in, in the middle of, uh, like in the middle of the day in a fucking suburban neighborhood. <laughs> it's, it's so fucking weird. Um, uh, it's fun. I mean, it's fun in a like really shitty way. <laughs> the big like famous quote from, from that part of the movie is uh he's walking around he's killed a few people and then he sees this guy like taking out his garbage cans and fucking ricky's all like making fun of him like oh garbage day and he fucking shoots him of course and like it's funny and it's really over the top but it's also i don't even know like it's just not as entertaining as something 
that's more appealing to me in a B movie. Um, and that doesn't make any sense, but like, uh, there's not a lot of, uh, thought behind it. It's just sort of like, yeah, it's just going to be a fucking crazy person. Like they try to set him up as, uh, like a similar character to his brother with this traumatic background, but they only use the first movie, like as his background, <laughs> Like, and that doesn't make any sense because it's all about his brother. And then, and then after that begins, then they start his actual background where he's, uh, with the girlfriend and just sort of like, uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I don't, I don't even know how to talk about this shit, but there are a few moments of, of, fun gore <laughs> where like Ricky takes this umbrella and shoves it through like through this guy's torso and then opens it up <laughs> and so there's this umbrella just open behind the guy and the the shaft is going through his stomach <laughs> that was pretty fun and the <laughs> I don't know it's a. I don't. I honestly don't know what to say about this movie. It's so fucking shitty, and it's not. It's not shitty in an entertaining way. That that really like sparks my imagination. Um, I liked it kind of. You know, if I just watched that second half, I'd probably like it a lot more. But it's not good at all, and it's not even terribly fun. I don't, it's like a, it's more of a sadistic fun, and I'm not really into that so much as I am, uh, something else, <laughs> like, I don't know, because then, now I think about it, it's like, well, <laughs> in the first movies, like, like I said, he's putting Linnea Quigley up on his fucking antlers, and that's pretty fucked up, and I just enjoy it, and <laughs> I don't think twice about it. Um, I mean, I'm not gonna, like, bust it out at a family get-together or anything, <laughs> so I'm, I'm clearly aware that it's weird, but God, I, don't, I don't know, I don't really know how to describe it, it's just, it's a weird, there's a fine line in B-movies between being funny and being just horribly bad and being entertaining and being boring and being something that will appeal to you because B movies will take a lot of chances that mainstream movies will not and so they'll alienate a lot of people and you never like that's why B movies are so hard to recommend to people because you really have to, to you would have to know a person very well to be to, to say like oh you fucking love this movie because it's like this and like that or whatever because I've had I mean people will that's why I don't want to see the room uh, where it's like people say oh it's so funny it's like this and like that and maybe it is but I'm I'm more expecting it to be sort of this thing that's like well this is funny if you're into like this kind of stuff, but I'm just, this is not the type of bad movie that I like. 
you know, I prefer more of a, like, artistically um, well-intentioned. Like, like somebody, like, not, I don't like movies that are trying to be bad or, or going in with the, the sort of, oh, we're going to make a bad movie because I like bad movies or whatever. Like, you need that, that earnest, honest, like, artistic expression of just somebody that, that doesn't know better or just has fucking crazy ideas and has the balls to just put them out there. And so that kind of stuff is always going to be alienating to some. And so, you know, and, and everybody is their own person with their own experiences that sort of come to form this person that will then react to certain things and not other things and whatever. Humans are very complex. So are movies and B movies are, are probably more complex than almost every big fucking blockbuster movie uh, in terms of trying to f uncover why they are uh, interesting. So <laughs> I know I didn't really talk much about the second one uh, much at all. Uh, which is weird because I, I just watched it a few days ago and I literally like don't remember a lot about it and like don't care about most of it. I don't know that first forty minutes re of of rehashed footage really sapped a lot of my energy and so then by the time I saw the the newer stuff like it was enjoyable but it wasn't like <laughs> like I had already been. Like, I was in round 12 after getting, the, you know, beat the shit by Rocky the whole fucking time. And then, you know, then all this good shit started happening. And it's like, oh, I mean, that's not a great example. Because <laughs> I don't know what the good shit would be happening in the round, in round 12. I mean, I guess it would be me winning. But then, I mean, I don't know. I'd, I'd have to be present for that. So, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> It's late. I'm getting tired. That's my fucking go-to excuse. <laughs> um, ooh, it's almost Christmas time. <laughs> 40 minutes to Christmas. <laughs> Are you ready? <laughs> Boils and ghouls. <laughs> Alright, one last thing about uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2 that a lot of people uh, will probably not get that I think is uh, weird and interesting. Uh, there's one point where Ricky and his girlfriend, uh, his girlfriend who is played by Elizabeth uh, Catane, I think is how you say her name. She is in a lot of movies uh, that Full Moon put out. Uh, she's in other movies too. Um, she's in Twins. Uh, she's apparently in Zelig, the Woody Allen movie. I'm sure she's just a background person in that. Uh, but anyway, she's in like a bunch of uh, full moon movies, and she's also in this fucking this movie that I I, I reviewed it, but it was just a, a mini like a very short review. It's actually the only quick take review that I did two paragraphs on because I fucking love this movie so much. Uh, it's a it's a movie called Beretta's Island, <laughs> starring uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's. Uh, best friend Franco Columbu, who is also uh, in Pumping Iron with Arnold. Um, anyway, she's she's in that, and she's in a whole bunch of other stuff. And 
I, I like her. She's she's always a, a welcome element in, in a B-movie for me. And so uh, she's there. And anyway, they go to the movies. And they're watching something. I don't know what the fuck they're watching. They never say, like, what movie they're they're supposed to be watching. But anyway, the, uh, the music um, is the score from the Charles Band movie, The Alchemist. And I instantly recognized it because I love that score. When I when I reviewed The Alchemist, I loved that main theme so much that I recorded it uh, uh, and put it on the fucking review <laughs> to be played. So uh, anyway, I noticed it immediately. And then when they finally show the screen... <laughs> Guess what? They're showing more footage from the first movie. <laughs> oh, man. Jamming as much footage as they could. But anyway, I thought that was fun, especially because uh, Elizabeth Katane is in a bunch of full moon movies, and then this movie uses some full moon music. I wonder if it was uh, by license or if she had some... Uh, had Charles Band do him a, do do the the director of part two a favor or something like that? Who knows? I definitely don't. Um, <laughs> and really, uh, who cares? So let's uh, move on from this and go into the other uh, the segment. The, uh, the what do you call it? Um, is it good or a piece of shit? I don't know which is it. And so I'm back, and the first movie of the good or shit, good or a piece of shit segment, uh, <laughs> is a Korean movie from 1967. It's a Korean kaiju film called Yongari, Monster from the Deep. I don't... That's the that's the U.S. title. I don't remember what the... the the Korean title, I think, is just Yongari. Uh, kind of like... Fucking Gohira and Godzilla. Because, yeah, didn't... Uh, yeah, Godzilla, King of the Monsters or some shit like that. Isn't that the first the first Godzilla had a thing like that? A little subtitle. Anyway. So, this movie, uh, Yongari, <laughs> Monster from the Deep... Uh, is a South Korean film, and it's trying to capitalize on the on the kaiju craze. And I, f- I, I, I watched this movie because, uh, well, first of all, I needed a, I needed to watch a, a Y movie, a movie that started with Y for my my little thing that I'm trying to do on Letterbox, where I watch a horror movie uh, starting with each letter of the alphabet. I didn't have anything with Y. Uh, near uh, that I could watch and I couldn't find anything that was suitable on like streaming or anything there's there's a few new movies like you're next and I don't know what the fuck else you're an asshole <laughs> maybe that's a movie I don't know <laughs> um, but anyway I, I watched this because I watched last week the X from outer space and that was meh. <laughs> Not kind of a horror movie uh, in the in the creature feature subgenre, and so I thought, what the hell? I'll watch this, uh, Young Gary, and 
it'll be a you know a kind of a, a double feature sort of thing and they're both from 1967 so it's interesting uh just from that to see how uh special effects and things like that were different in this uh, lower budget film because uh korea i don't know when korea's film industry really started cranking stuff out um like high quality stuff i know that late 60s there were a lot of the 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 korean directors moving over to hong kong to work for shaw brothers um i don't remember when uh, uh i don't remember what his his korean name is but the guy who directed king boxer uh, which is known as five fingers of death in america uh, the movie that that kicked off the kung fu craze in the u.s uh, the director of that, uh, Cheng Chang Ho, uh, he's a Korean guy, and I don't remember what his Korean name is, but but he was, uh, you know, I think they had like a farm team, <laughs> or not a farm team, but like a like a scout that would watch movies from other Asian regions and then say, hey, like you're a you're a good guy, want to come work for Shaw. And then, you know, they would come over there. So, like, this guy, Cheng Cheng Ho, made a number of movies. He probably made, like, I don't know, three or four or five movies before King Boxer. And then, uh, and each one gets a little bit better uh, in terms of the Chinese sort of martial arts film. I think most of them are wuxia movies, but King Boxer definitely isn't, although there's, I think... If I remember right, there's a couple of wuxia elements in it, uh, but it's pretty much just a straight-up kung fu movie. Okay, so, so enough of the, the sidetracking here. Young Gary, this movie was fucking horrible. <laughs> like, just fucking horrible. It was so goddamn boring. Like, that's one of the worst things a movie can be to me is fucking boring and young gary despite a fun title and a f <laughs> yeah it's a f oh my god it was a, it was so goddamn hard to watch this movie <laughs> oh shit um that was compounded by the fact that it um the the copy that i got uh the library had had a, a dvd of it they had a public domain copy that was full screen and uh, English dubbed only. And I later came to find out that all known copies of the Korean version were lost or are lost. And so the only the English dub remains. So no matter what, I would have to watch this English dub. And this fucking English dub is horrific. <laughs> Like, the worst. I don't really watch English dubs at all, if I can help it. Uh, so, whenever I'm kind of forced to watch one, it's usually... It, like, it hits me harder <laughs> than it should. But this one was really fucking bad. And the, the FX work in the movie is, like, pretty questionable. Some of the models are pretty good but like the suit itself is like really weird and shitty looking like the mouth 
opens and closes and it just looks so fucking shitty and that's the main part that's shitty about the the costume and then get this i fucking was looking at the wikipedia and <laughs> it says that that toei the the is that how you say it i don't know toei toei i don't know <laughs> toei <laughs> anyway very famous uh, Japanese film co- production company, Toei, 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 I'll make a little song for it. Anyway, um, however you say the company's name, they helped produce Young Gary uh, as kind of a co-production, and the same guy who built the fucking, built and designed the Godzilla and the Gamera suits oversaw the construction of the Young Gary suit, which, which is kind of, uh, you know, like clearly he put his all into the Godzilla and Gamera suits because both of those look pretty fucking good. Um, I haven't seen much besides the original movies of, of both of those franchises, uh, to be honest. I haven't seen anything but of Gamera but the first one, and then Godzilla I've seen a few, but of the classic, like, black and white stuff, I've, I've only, I think I've only seen the first one on that. Uh, and I've always wanted to, to dive into that and uh, do a series on it, but I can... I'm always like knee deep in series, fucking knee deep, fucking neck deep in series all the time, and my as my ability to to do more reviews per week has has lessened over time. Um, it's just not doable. But anyway, I had this whole fucking idea, and I I haven't told anybody because I don't want to put it out in the in the in the 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 ether because <laughs> that as soon as i say it somebody will fucking do it and i can't believe nobody's done it yet <laughs> but like uh i wanted to do a theme review month <laughs> all of uh of like godzilla movies or uh, other movies you know in the same genre and it was gonna be a fucking Kai June, <laughs> and I don't know why, but that shit makes me laugh. So, like I love it. So every time I think about it, I just fucking crack up. A fucking Kai June, and nobody's done it yet. And so I, well, I... <laughs> oh man, but but then, like I'm not. I don't think that I could watch just kaiju movies for a whole month because i would get bored as shit because i don't think there's a enough variation within the genre at least not in these these first movies maybe in the sequels where it gets a little more crazier uh but anyway so this guy built the young gary suit he put his clearly put his full effort into godzilla and gamera and then uh definitely was kind of phoning it in the young young gary man poor young gary (laughs) He got the short end of the stick. He got this shitty-looking mouth that just kind of flops around. And I don't. It's really bad. Um, it's just. It's so ugly. <laughs> um, but as boring as this fucking movie is, it really picks up in the last like 
maybe I don't even want to say 15 minutes, but like maybe like the last 10 minutes. And those last 10 minutes are are pretty fucking good. And <laughs> the beginning of the upswing is one of the weirdest things I've ever seen in a kaiju movie. And like I said, I haven't seen a whole lot of them, so I know they get more crazy. So I probably shouldn't say, like, oh, this is the craziest shit ever. Um, But anyway, (laughs) there's there's this little kid in Yungari. And at the beginning of the movie... Like, his dad or something is is a scientist or something like that. Anyway, he's got this light from his dad's science lab, and it's like a lantern sort of thing. And he turns it on, and if he points it at a person, it makes them itchy. (laughs) And somewhere along the lines, he points it at young Gary, and I don't remember if it, it didn't make him itchy. It made him do something, and it was like a good thing. Like, oh, we can corral young Gary or whatever. And then out of nowhere, at some point, this kid's flashing the light and doing whatever's stalking young Gary. And then there's kind of like this quiet moment where where they're just standing there. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, like this fucking surf music starts playing. And and I'm just like, what the f- <laughs> what the fuck is going on? And then. <laughs> young gary starts fucking dancing (laughs) and he's you know he's like a big fucking dinosaur dude (laughs) and he's just on the top of this mountain fucking dancing and shit (laughs) like doing the twist (laughs) or something like that you know some fucking shitty dance like that (laughs) eddie murphy's white people dance (laughs) um so he starts dancing, and he dances for a little while, and I was just watching it, and I was really just laughing and enjoying it, and <laughs> and so I really started to like turn the corner on the movie, and I thought, wow, this is maybe maybe this movie can turn it around, and then you know it kept going, and it was fun, and he's smashing fucking buildings, and he's been smashing buildings like the whole goddamn movie. So it's not really a big deal that he's smashing stuff, but the stuff at the end of the movie is, like, way better. Like, there's this part where he he lasers a fucking jeep in half, and what's cool about it is that he lasers the jeep, and the jeep that, like, that goes into two parts is, like, an actual jeep with guys in it, and so the first half fucking spins out of control and the two guys are in it and then the other half just like fucking clunks down in the roadway and the two guys like fly out of it and it's really cool and it it's like this cool however they did it it's like a seamless cut through the fucking jeep it looks great so that's fun and then uh, young gary walks up to this fucking like concrete freeway overpass (laughs) and he like looks at it and then he puts his hands like he grabs it underneath like uh i don't know how he puts his hands underneath thumbs on top or whatever i don't know does young gary have thumbs (laughs) 
<laughs> Who knows? One of these questions of life, you know, that you'll never have the answer to. Anyway, he fucking grabs this freeway overpass, and then he flips it <laughs> like he like he's grabbing a table and, and like, pissed off and fucking flipping it over. <laughs> he does that to a concrete overpass, and maybe it's not as funny as I thought it was. <laughs> maybe the movie, like, dulled me into this sense of, like, just enjoying whatever the fuck I possibly could find. But, man, I... <laughs> I thought that shit was so funny. <laughs> He's just a dinosaur guy walking up to a freeway overpass and just flipping it like a fucking dinner table. <laughs> There's just something funny about that. Um, but anyway, that's fucking Yungari. And then... <laughs> so, the end of the movie, and I, I don't want to spoil it, but the last... There's, there's a scene after this stuff that I'm referring to. So it's not the last scenes. Uh, it's not the last shots of the movie. But it's the last shots of this uh, young Gary scene. Uh, the, the last young Gary scene in the movie. And so... I don't even know how, how I would say it without ruining it. Um... And I don't even know that it matters, because I don't... Is anybody going to fucking hunt this movie down and watch it? But anyway... Fuck, I don't know. I'm just going to say it. And if you don't want to hear it, um, I don't know. <laughs> Fast forward like a minute or something, and I'll try to keep it within a minute from... I'm Fuck, what? What am I saying? I'm going to keep it within a fucking minute. <laughs> I'm going to talk about this for like 20 minutes probably. Um, okay, so I'm going to keep it within one minute starting right now. Okay, so they fucking kill young Gary, right? And the last shot of young Gary is he gets shot with this fucking missile or whatever and he falls over next to this river and it's just a long sh one fucking unbroken shot of him just slowly falling over and then kind of writhing around uh and slowly like <laughs> losing motion like slowly not moving i'm i'm explaining this so shitty because i'm trying to keep it within a minute <laughs> but anyway it's it's so goddamn sad <laughs> and all i could think about was young gary fucking dancing to the surf music <laughs> and it made me so fucking sad <laughs> okay so that's a minute and anyway this shit was so affecting <laughs> like I literally had an emotional response. I fucking, I swear to God, I almost cried. <laughs> it was so fucking hardcore. <laughs> it hit me so hard. Because all I could think of <laughs> was that shit before. Uh, when he was just so happy. And just, and just living his fucking young Gary life. <laughs> Is young, Gre young gregarious, <laughs> just being young gregarious, and it just—I I don't know, man. It, 
if I watch it again, maybe I, I, I would, I would see it differently and be like, oh, I guess it wasn't so bad as I thought. But man, I, I, I don't know. I should, I should own it. It was fucking sad. <laughs> anyway, uh, so, <laughs> so that's Young Gary. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. So um, I talked about three B movies, and uh, now I'm going to go into a movie. There's a, basically the polar opposite of that. Uh, before I go into that, Young Gary, I would call shit. Um, as much as I did like the 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 last part, it's a fucking slog, man. <laughs> okay, so then I the the other movie that I watched for uh, during this week was not the most recent, but the the what would it be the the previous recent. <laughs> the second to most recent or the first to most recent i don't know whatever not this not the current movie but the movie from last year of uh, mr woody allen and it is a movie called irrational man starring joaquin phoenix and emma stone and i am a huge woody allen fan i usually watch uh i used to watch all of his movies like fucking opening day in the theater to support uh, his his artistic uh, ventures that he he was having a hard time at that time getting funding for, and now he's pretty much got funding, you know, until he dies, whatever. Um, anyway, so I watched I, I went into Rational Man being uh, a, a big fan. If you don't know, I'm a fucking huge Woody Allen fan, and. One thing that I've noticed over, I think I noticed it while I was running Silver Emulsion, and I don't remember if it if it came to me during a review, it came to me like it's some fucking revelation, but like uh, I never noticed it until I think I was looking at movie at his movies specifically, um, thinking about writing about them and having to like kind of deconstruct why I like it. Anyway. One of Woody Allen's big themes, and you can apply it to almost every one of his movies, and I haven't seen uh, some of his... I've seen most of his movies. I haven't seen the dramas that he did, like, in the... I think those were all in, like, early 80s to mid-80s. I haven't seen those. Uh, But everything else, pretty much, uh, I think I've seen. Anyway, uh, one of the big themes that runs through if not all of his movies a huge portion of his movies and 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 literally like every one of his movies from the last like 20 years um is this this theme of fact versus fiction to boil it down to like the most basic elements Generally, it's it's in a Woody Allen movie. It's about some sort of belief versus uh, knowledge. So it's often replied to applied to religion, where it's like uh, there's somebody who is religious and they believe this or that about the afterlife and and the the world around them, and then there's this other guy who's neurotic and and is 
kind of keyed into the world's problems and and he doesn't have any faith that the world's going to get any better and so there's usually these opposing uh, sides uh, represented and then it's sort of not, like I wouldn't say that, that Woody Allen ever really says which one is better he generally leaves it up to the audience to decide whether belief in something greater than the earth or just wallowing in the fucking worry is the better course of action and and, and there really is like the basic human uh struggle you know do you believe that everything's going to be okay like in the end or do you you know focus more on 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 the reality <laughs> that everything is not fucking okay uh, would you rather be, you know, ignorance is bliss, basically. Um, but anyway, this thing runs through um, a number of his fucking movies, if not all of his movies. It's literally, like, once I, I, it's like, a, identified that that's what he was doing in a lot of his movies, like, I literally saw it in every fucking one I've watched since. So all the modern ones and then whatever. I mean, you can apply it to all kinds of shit. I don't even... Well, I don't know about the, the early ones. The early ones are a little different. But anyway, whatever. Um, in Irrational Man, he presents it in a different way than I've ever seen him present it before. Because uh, it's about a... Uh, philosophy professor played by Joaquin Phoenix and uh, his student played by Emma Stone and they of course because it's a Woody Allen movie they had kind of have a relationship and there's a 20 something year gap I think between them I'm not sure but it's a big one and it's classic Woody Allen anyway that beside the point um the teacher is a world-weary guy. He's a philosopher. He's all up in his head. He's full of all these fucking thoughts and, and, and quotes from great thinkers. And he's just really fucking down the rabbit hole with philosophy and uh, trying to crack the, the meaning of existence and all these existential questions and stuff like that. He's really fucking in it. And he's so in it that he's just basically shut down to the world and to any experiences around him. And he's just not even like living his life. And then the contrast to that is Emma Stone's character, who is a, you know, fucking happy-go-lucky, smiling college student ready to fucking conquer the world and with bursting with energy and still hopeful about the world and, and having faith that, you know, that her whole life is ahead of her and she has all these things that she's going to do and, you know, everything is fucking great. And so those characters are thrust together to sort of conflict and uh, try to expose one another to their viewpoints and maybe somebody changes in there. But then something is introduced uh, to that dynamic where 
an existential question of morality comes into the life of the, the philosopher and then it becomes this struggle where he is questioning whether and it's still basically a, a very similar struggle uh, when you boil it down is that like and I don't want to really go into specifics because the the plot itself is not super complex and um, it's more about these kind of things that are working beneath it that make it such an interesting movie because just in, just as a straight shallow entertainment piece it's an okay Woody Allen movie um, and I don't know that I would like want to watch it again but it's interesting and it's also curious because it's not really a comedy and it's not really dramatic in any way um, like there's not there's no emotional like moments where you're really feeling for these characters it the tone is super light but yet it's not a comedy like there's not jokes or anything it's just this very lighthearted movie and i don't think i've ever seen anything like that where it doesn't have just straight up fucking jokes um from woody allen there is <laughs> there was one fucking line that just made me <laughs> fucking die laughing though <laughs> anyway um, so, so this existential question comes to the philosopher, and he is faced with this choice. And this choice is: uh, Do I continue my my current line of 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 light, my path in life, where I'm all about talking about living and and the theory of of life and all these things or do i take action i'm at this crossroads moment where i could take action and i could change my life and so he you know wrestles with that and then the audience is then forced to wrestle with the question as well of like what should he have done what should he do you know whatever and then what i also found interesting about that struggle is that uh again i'm going to be vague but the, like the action in question is never like we don't know anything about it other than these very surface level facts or not even facts is hearsay um so we don't have enough information to judge whether the choice of like doing it or not doing it is a good or a bad choice like we don't know you can go with your gut and say oh you should definitely do this and some people's gut will say the one and some will say the other but like and and that would again go into like do you do you have faith that this is the way it is or are you cynical about life um so but anyway we don't have enough information to to know if the action is positive or negative and so we then as we watch it all play out um we never know if it was a good or a bad thing it's just left up to the audience so anyway 
I really enjoyed that. Uh, like I said before, the the movie is not super great. It's not. I mean, it's good. I liked it, but definitely. Um, I mean, I'm like everybody talks about how like oh Woody Allen's new movies are all shitty, except for every once in a while he puts out a good one like Midnight in Paris or whatever the Match Point or whatever. But like for me, I pretty much like and enjoy like every single one of the movies that he puts out. Um, and so I don't really get why. I mean, I guess if you're not a super Woody Allen fan, you know, there's some like Midnight in Paris is, is a good example where it's a good movie. It's it's very good movie. Um, and there's a lot to like about it. And it's, it is the type of Woody Allen movie that would transcend and did transcend the general like audience of Woody Allen movies. Um, but to be completely honest, I went and I saw it in the theater and I thought it was okay. Like I like a lot of Woody Allen, modern Woody Allen movies that are not well liked by most people. Like I like those more than I like Midnight in Paris. And so again, I mean, it goes into that whole thing of like everybody is going to take something differently and uh i mean art is always a subjective sort of thing you know you you are bringing in yourself and uh part of the artistic process is the viewing process and you being the person that you are 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 going to view something differently than another person who is an entirely different uh, collection of uh, choices and and experiences you know everybody's gonna react differently and so that's what's uh, so interesting about engaging art and and how it engages with people and how people engage with it and uh, you know just fucking this fucking dope shit man it's <laughs> fucking art man <laughs> It's like this quote from Freddie Mercury, uh, the singer from Queen, and he said something about, like, in relation to art, uh, if you see it, it's there. Meaning that any, any uh, interpretation of a piece of art, like, if it makes you see something or think about something or whatever, then... It's there because you saw it. It's, you know, art is subjective and art um, doesn't necessarily, you know, have a right answer or doesn't ever really have a right answer. There, there can be the, the, the truth of the creative process of, of the artist themselves, but um, once it is unleashed on other people, it, it will always, 100% uh, of the time, have its own life with those people uh but anyway getting down the rabbit hole with that stuff and uh my throat is getting kind of scratchy so uh that's that's all i have for this week uh come back next week well i'll i'll, uh, I'll have some more shit uh or good things to talk about uh speaking of sh shit or good things uh <laughs> Um, I would call uh, Rational Man good. 
So, so, so that's the uh, that's the podcast uh, upcoming on the site this week. I have a uh, full moon uh, kids movie, uh, the Moonbeam Films, called Micro Mini Kids. <laughs> it's a fun one. It's uh, a little kid gets shrunk. And then uh, uh, the Shaw Brothers movie for the week is an, uh, a co-production with Italy. I don't remember the Italian studio that they, they co-produced it with. But the movie is called This Time I'll Make You Rich. And <laughs> it's a fucking doozy. And uh, I actually have a couple of sounds <laughs> from it. Uh, to play for it, so just to give you a little uh, wet your whistle on this time I'll make you rich um, and show you the level of, of uh, quote-unquote quality writing uh, that's evidenced in this uh, <laughs> uh, uh, this film, I guess you could call it that. <laughs> anyway, uh, here is sound Number one. You are going to die like a dog. <laughs> so, I mean, that one's not too bad. You know, I'm sure that line has been uttered in more than a few movies. Uh, maybe, perhaps with better delivery. Uh, and then, <laughs> but this one, this next one, I can guarantee that nobody <laughs> has ever said this in a movie other than in This Time I'll Make You Rich. I'll tell you what she needs. Yeah. She needs you to fill her up with spaghetti. <laughs> Have you ever looked at a Scotty carefully? Huh? Yeah, she looks like a chopstick. <laughs> See what I mean? That's the kind of shit that, you know, uh, you're not going to see. You're not going to hear that in every movie. So uh, come back for uh, the reviews of those, the written reviews of those this week. Uh, if you have any feedback, send it in however you would prefer to do that and uh, if you have any thoughts on the movies or, or uh, suggestions or whatever you know quotes or comments or wh whatever the fuck uh, send it in <laughs> and uh, so uh, that's the show um, adios